Love Talk Radio. Well, it's always a dance party here on the Dodcast. Good evening. I'm guest host Ron Juckett, and tonight I'm joined by fellow District on Deck contributor Ross Schinberg as we watch the latter stages of the Sunday night baseball game together between the Washington Nationals and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers leading in the top of the gate 4-3 to three, as Pedro Baez pitches, and we watch endless replays. Ross, how are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks. I'm filling in for our regular host, Blake Finney, who is enjoying the West Coast a great deal. He got to see Max Scherzer. He got to see Shoni Otani. And he got to see the longest at-bat, we think, in Major League Baseball history. A 21-pitch affair that, thank goodness, Pedro Baez wasn't pitching or else it would still be going on. But um, two of these games on the West Coast are done. Uh, the the Nats and the Dodgers split Friday and Saturday. We're not sure about how this one's going to go. And so your take, Ross, on how the weekend has gone so far. I think there are a lot of positives for the Nats, especially with their starting pitching. I mean, we saw Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg pitched uh, really, really well. Lots of strikeouts. They went deep into the game. And then Hellickson today with a uh, five or six strong innings. I don't know how long he went and then kind of faltered at the end there, but I really like what I saw from the starting pitching this series. Yeah. Especially last night when Strasburg, you know, he'll tend to have that one inning where he kind of loses his concentration a bit, but after he loaded the bases in the sixth on Saturday, he then struck out the side. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean that's pretty good. You load the bases and no one goes anywhere. And then he had that big seventh inning to get out of it. Absolutely. The starting pitching really has been the net strength this year. But because they've had to exert so much, they're not going, except for, you know, uh, Scherzer, they're not going into uh, deep into games as much as you'd hope that they would. Mm-hmm. And that's kind uh, of putting a lot more pressure on the bullpen. We'll sure. get that's into that more, but absolutely. I mean, they've been in so many high-leverage situations this year. It's just impossible to keep them fresh. I, I suppose some other positives you take out of it, regardless of what happens tonight. Um, Lion Zimmerman seems to have found his mojo. Definitely. He had a, the RBI double against Kershaw in the first inning of that game. And he had another hard hit ball today, I believe. Uh, he also had that big, big but, walk he drew against Ryu last night, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that just tells you right there that his eye is getting, you know, his batting eye is getting better when he's able to lay off stuff that he wasn't able to lay off a week ago. You know, when mm-hmm. he makes contact, the balls just fly. You know, Definitely. He, but they just usually fly at, at, at anybody where he can't get them off the ground. So good things for that. Bryce Harper continues to draw walks and fight off the plate, um, protect the plate. I mean, he does have a couple strikeouts tonight, and ESPN talked endlessly about whether he should have run out that ball to first earlier in this Sunday night game after he fouled off his foot. But beyond that, you know, that's a that's a good sign. He's not going to draw the automatic walks anymore if Zimmerman starts to hit. 
So, so that's good. Um, but boy, if you want to start getting in the negatives, the, until tonight, the <laughs> bottom of the lineup was not good. Yeah. They looked terrible last night. Yeah, After not getting, bad. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm just looking at the box score here. Readers one for four. Taylor zero for three. Defoe zero for three. Uh, Sierra zero for three. That's just not going to get it done against the quality pitchers that the Dodgers have. Well, the other thing was they were going up there and hacking. You know, they had nine mm-hmm. hits off of Kershaw as a team on Friday, and then Ryu goes seven yesterday, seven innings yesterday, two hits, but he only threw 86 pitches. If he hadn't have batted in the bottom of the seventh, he would have gone out and pitched the eighth for sure. Um, <laughs> you just you, you need to have that measured approach. The Nats do better. I think that's one of the reasons why when the Nats win, it's one of the key things. If they can't win on the home run or get lots of home runs, they're able to create runs and runners, and it helps them out. And it doesn't do any good if you're sitting there hacking on the first and second pitch. And that's when you miss Anthony Rendon and Daniel Murphy, guys who will lay off pitches, foul them off, make a pitcher really work. Even Jason Worth, he did that. That was a huge part of his game, and the Nats are really missing that right now. Oh, absolutely. And the Nats front office, in my view, made the rare mistake of not placing Rendon on the disabled list until Sunday. He hasn't played in seven games. They can only retro do it retroactively the last three. So they're going to lose Rendon, whether he's healthy or not, for the next week. Mm-hmm. That's really going to hurt them, especially with what we just mentioned, the bottom of the lineup not really hitting. But um, And especially now they're going to uh, San Francisco and a pitcher-friendly park. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll get into that in a little bit. And of home for the early part against the Diamondbacks, who are playing really well. Yeah. So, so you lose Rendon for the Mets series going back, which they did take two out of three. I mean, that that was the best baseball they've played all year. Um, and then, you know, against the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers will figure it out. This is not a 500 team forever. No. Like the, you know, same with the Nats. Uh, and. Okay, the Giants aren't a playoff team, but they're going to lose them for most of the series against the Diamondbacks, too. So Mm -hmm. to lose, you know, maybe your best overall player offensively and defensively for series against, you know, two series against potential playoff teams, that just just really stinks. Mm -hmm. Especially with how well the Mets are playing right now. I mean, it's a little too early to talk division winners, but it can really set them back if they drop the next couple of series. We talk, you know, we, you can make too much of how much a series in April means, but they mean just as much as the games do in September. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, but you know, the big difference in, in September is you know what you have to do. And at some point when they finally get everyone back, you know, this offense is going to be lethal, but mm-hmm. they've not had everyone in the lineup together since Adam Eaton's injuries a year ago against the Mets. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just, it's crazy how baseball works that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you saw this weekend? No, I think we've covered essentially all of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think you get tired of talking about moral victories, <laughs> but um, 
you know, anytime you can take Kershaw deep or get nine hits off of him, that's that's pretty good. Um, but again, they need to continue that patient approach at the plate and, and kind of force the issue a little bit. Tougher to do depending on on what's going on. All right, so how do the Nats fix the bullpen? They're, they're awful tired. I wrote a piece today. In 21, they played 20 game, 21 games coming into tonight. And five relievers have appeared in 10 games or more. I mean, you are not going to stay healthy over the course of the year, Ross, if you have five pitchers with 80 games under their belt. Forget October. you got to get them there first. Yeah, exactly. And you can't push your starters too far either. Dusty Baker last season was kind of known for that, and he overworked their starters. So they're going to have to find a balance. I hope that somebody like Sammy Solis or Matt Grace can emerge and become a solid fourth bullpen member. That would help him a lot, but someone will have to. It's just a mess right now. We haven't seen Sean Kelly. You know, mm-hmm. is he healthy? Uh, Solis, one night he's terrific, and the next night he can't find any command. He, mm-hmm. He's one that you really can't pitch on back-to-back nights. Matt Grace, you saw on a Friday night, he awkwardly landed, I called it a bunny hop, on a pitch, finished the batter, I believe got a strikeout, and went on a disabled list uh, with a with a groin pull. Mm-hmm. So then, just even that, I mean, it wasn't, it was just kind of a silly little thing, and it hurt. He's gone for 10 days retroactively. Austin Adams is now the eighth member of the Nats bullpen because of Rendon finally going on the disabled list. But if you're only going to use five of the eight, then why bother? I mean, you, why aren't we seeing Sean Kelly? I, I mean, like you said, he may not be healthy. Person, I don't think he's. I don't. I just don't know if he's very good. I've never been a Sean Kelly fan in the last couple of years. I mean, right now he has a. 3.0 ERA, good strikeout percentage. I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that for the entire season. I just don't. Well, I think the thing with Kelly is you certainly can't use him on back-to-back days. Mm-hmm. He's just, he just has been used way too much over the course, course of his career. But if you go back to that Mets loss on Wednesday to start the bottom of the eighth inning, when they threw Ryan Matson out there who had thrown – Oh, by the end of his appearance at the end of that, had thrown 101 pitches over the last five, over a five-day period, which just mm-hmm. isn't good for a reliever. No. You know, you had a, you have a two-run lead there. Look, if Kelly gives up a homer with no one on base, it's still a one-run game. At least you have a fresh arm out there. See, you know, I, I don't want to go back to the – the Dusty Baker, well, let's run the starters out for 110, 115 pitches a game because you need them in September as, in October as well. What do you think the right balance is? Knowing this team is really – it really can't go out and get a high-priced reliever because they're already over the tax. What would you do? It's really tough. I, I don't have an answer. I, I really wish – a guy like Sammy Solis would find a way to stay consistent or somebody from AAA like Austin Adams can come up and give them good innings. 
I really don't have an answer. It seems like a bad way to answer the question, but I just don't. It's just, it's just not good. Oh, I think it, in essence, you actually answered the question because there really is no good solution. Mm-hmm. You can't spend your way out of problems. I mean, they don't have the payroll, but the, you know, the financial wherewithal, the Dodgers or the Yankees or, or someone like that that goes, oh, we'll just about buy someone else. Um, it should help when Jeremy Hellickson's arm is full strength. I mean, he pitched well enough tonight to, that his spot in the rotation isn't there. But, boy, they need him to pitch to eat innings. And the next time out, he needs to be able to go that 100 innings. He threw 93 tonight or Sunday, if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, and was absolutely gassed by the end of the day. Probably should have only thrown 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certainly a better option than, than poor A.J. Cole. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um. I mean, people you know, said, well, you need to... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh. Well, oh, going you back to what question. you said about the high leverage situations the Nats relievers have been put in, if the Nats offense, if they can get going and start getting out to multi-run leads and putting the bullpen in easier situations, that could ease in the load for them, not having to overwork Ryan Madsen throwing 100 pitches over five days. Which I, uh, that, for one, would help in, I guess, an indirect way. Oh, I think so. You know, I, I think they had played, I forget how many consecutive baseball reference considers a high-leverage high situation, which is a lead under four, or a mm-hmm. difference of, of three runs either way, um, which means that, you know, it turns out that's a safe situation in, in effect. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you need to have some blowouts. What's one of the things that the Nets did really well last year was when that offense got rolling, they gave enough uh, – pizza and chicken McNuggets and fries away that the entire entire area inside the beltway gained a pant size. <laughs> I can definitely attest I, to that. We use the Papa John's code. Often. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you did. One of the play, I think it was McDonald's that gave so much away that they actually had to change it to instead of the free whatever it was, you got like a dollar off. They were <laughs> giving too much of it away. And they haven't had that. That was a nice picture by Kinsler. They haven't had that this year. There's not been really any games where they've been blown out. They, there are times that they're overmatched by pitchers that you don't expect them to be overmatched by. But they haven't been blown out, and they're not blowing people away like they did last year. And I think it goes back to what you said. The combination of, of Helixson and able to eat innings and a full offense, that can get you a 10 10 two games in a hurry or a five or six run lead late, then maybe Davey Martinez can see who besides a law firm he could trust as opposed mm-hmm. to, I don't know how this is going to work. We just got to do something. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, go ahead. It's certainly going to be the, the major development to watch over the next coming months for sure. It's the coming into the season, we were all hoping that the storyline of this team would not be the bullpen but now three weeks, four weeks into the season, it's the bullpen. Well, it's the same storylines that we had last August. It was the, the bullpen is better than it was the first half of last year, but when you combine it with all the injuries, it's a factor. I mean, it's yeah. the same issues that really kind of cut last season's playoff run short. I mean, you can't tell me that um, Bryce Harper on a week's worth of, 
practice was full strength for the playoffs. And, boy, they missed Adam Eaton. Well, here you go. You know, you're a month now almost into the season, 22 games deep, and you miss Adam Eaton and you miss Anthony Rendon. And we don't even have a date yet for when Daniel Murphy might return. He's in extended mm-hmm. spring training now. Go ahead. Uh, My bad. But but I don't think he's uh, – he started – you know, he's going to have to play some rehab games in the minors, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. He missed all his spring training. He'll need to get his timing down. So, help is coming, but not really soon enough. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we still don't know, as the, as if you were watching on television, you pretty much got to see Kenley Jansen's entire warm-up with some pitches of the game thrown in. Oh, boy. Um, they move up the coast to play the Hunter Stricklands, who is their closer. <laughs> Yeah, with Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a deal the Nats are glad they didn't make, huh? Certainly. With uh, with Mark Melanson. So, you actually did some research on the San Francisco Giants. Tell me what you think of them. I think that the Nats, first of all, the Nats got very lucky they avoided Johnny Cueto in this series. He pitched today, Sunday, and was phenomenal. He had a no-hit bid, I think, through fifth in- five innings. And his ERA leads the league. And so uh, very thankful that the Nets will not have to face him. The rest of their pitching is, is pretty good, actually. The Nets will see Chris Stratton, Ty Block, and Jeff Samarja in their series. Uh, all of them are, are decent pitchers, Samarja being probably the most notable of the three. Uh, their pitching is, is good, but their batting is where they really, really struggle. They are not a good hitting team at all. Oh, I saw, I saw the numbers. They're hitting 230 as a team. They strike out way too much. I think five of their everyday players have 20 strikeouts or more. Um, mm-hmm. Smarja will be interesting. Does he go Wednesday? Yes, he will face Max Scherzer on Wednesday. He will afternoon. face Max Scherzer. And Smarja's only pitched once this year. So there's no Correct. guarantee that he comes into that on full strength. He went five innings and allowed two hits in his game, mm-hmm. but that doesn't, so you don't know, but yeah, Block has had a good year, and who, and Chris Stratton? Chris Stratton, yes. He has had a very good year, 2.22 ERA in 24 innings. That's very good. Mm-hmm. And while the Nats will counter with Gio and Tanner, I suppose. Yes, Gio will go Monday, Roark on Tuesday. So it's, it's a uh, Geo and Block on Monday. Geo and Stratton. Stratton, okay. Tanner and, and Block on Tuesday, and and the Immaculate One against Marja on Wednesday. So there's really no easy game there for the Nats. No, not not really. There's, I mean, in San Francisco, it's definitely going to be, I'd say, a lot like this Dodger series, low scoring, tight games, which probably isn't good for the bullpen, but it's the most likely outcome, I would say. I mean, you'd love to take two out of three. Mm -hmm, Certainly, with Scherzer pitching, you can definitely get one. And then I think Ty Block, I think he's the weakest of the three starters. He has the highest ERA, and he doesn't strike anybody out. So I think the Nets, they may get a break with him there. Now, both Gio and Tanner have impressed me this year. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gio's picked up where he left off last year. He's been great. And then Roark's improved a lot. We saw him 
grind out a game on Sunday Night Baseball a couple of weeks ago. He impressed me, even though he struggled a little bit there. What do you think has changed with Tanner really since the All-Star break last year? When the sec- his second half of the year was a lot better than the first half when people were ready to, you know, run him out of town on, on, on a rail. But really over the last 17, 18 starts, he's turned into the pitcher that he was, you know, as, as Scherzer's well, not as good as, as Scherzer's number two in 2016, but, you know, he's, he's getting there again. Definitely. And we saw, was it 2016 was his really good year? With the he had a lower yeah. ERA than Scherzer. Yeah, 2.83 ERA I'm seeing on Fangraphs. He's, yeah, he's, I described him in one of my articles as just a gamer. I mean, he really fights through uh, games, even if he doesn't have his best stuff. And in the second half of last season, I'm seeing his strikeout rate jumped eight, almost seven to eight percentage points, which is great. I'm pretty sure his strikeout percentage this season is also up compared to his career numbers. Now, he tried to do the modified pitch from a modified windup for, or from the full stretch this spring, and he ditched it before mm-hmm. the season started. Did and he, he looks – yeah. I did not notice that. He, uh, he, because it worked so well for Strasburg last year, he tried it himself, mm-hmm. and he just never felt comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's amazing how a, having a full spring will, will make you feel better going in this season. Not going to say anything because they're starting to hit now, but but you know I, where I'm going with that. <laughs> I, I I am now thinking of the name you are thinking of. <laughs> of course, the Giants have Buster Posey. Who else on the offense should they be watching for? Uh, right now, it's Brandon Belt. I mean, just out of nowhere, he's now hit a home run in four consecutive games. So he has come alive for this team and against. Uh, Roark ensures that he'll be a key left-handed bat for the Giants' offense. He grounded. Speaking of grinding out at bats, I don't know who the Angels' pitcher was that he did this with today, but he ground out a 21-pitch at bat today. That's incredible. I, I didn't I, get to I, see it live, but I saw a speeded-up version of it. You know, we talk about how important it is to protect the plate and to run up the pitch count and that, but 21 pitches. I saw 16 foul balls. That's just that, crazy. I mean, you could, you could, you could do a, a little league study session just based on that one at bat, why it's important to do that. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, but on, the, on the other hand, as we said, the Giants are – a punch and Judy team, they'll either homer or they don't score. They're older than the Nats. Uh, new faces, Evan Longoria, who was Tampa's franchise player, and Andrew McCutcheon, who was Pittsburgh's franchise player. They're just they're having a hard time adjusting. Now, the big thing with San Francisco was that's a big ballpark. Yes. Um, they don't really have anyone with speed. You would think that someone like Trey Turner or Michael A. Taylor, if they could hit the gaps there, what would be doubles at home might be triples in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You have the triples alley out there in right center field. So right. I mean, Turner, 
Turner or Taylor can hit that, they might go all the way home, depending on how fast the ball's rolling and how fast the outfielders are going. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be kind of fun to see a uh, inside the park home run. I mentioned Hunter Strickland in, in jest because that was the highlight of Memorial Day last year was that site. You don't think there's going to be anything more to that, do you? No, I think the Giants are going to do everything they can to not put Strickland in a game against Harper. But he is their closer. He has Mm -hmm. two of their three saves. Yep. You mentioned Melanson. He's out. They have Will Smith also on the disabled list. He has made some rehab starts. We might see him, but I'm not 100% certain on that. But it is going to be interesting to see if there is something with Strickland and the Nats, if there's any uh, vengeance in the air. Just hope nothing like that happens again. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so Blake makes predictions on the show. I kind of refrain from doing that, but if you want to go ahead and kind of give me what you think, what you think is going to happen, go right ahead. I think the Nats set up really well for this series. They've got Geo Roark Scherzer. They're good pitchers going against an offense that is really scuffling right now, and they're facing some hittable pitchers, Stratton and Ty Block. They've been good this season, but over the long term, I don't know how well their stats are going to hold up. And then Samarja, he's only had one start this season. So three matchups that are definitely, I would say, all in the Nats' favor. I think they can definitely take this series at least two of the three games. It would be big if they did. I mean, they're one out away from dropping two out of three from Los Angeles. But you do. The Dodgers were a better team than what the record had indicated. They had the Dodgers, I believe, either took three or four from San Diego before the series started. Um, so you knew that they were going to be able to figure it out. And plus, the major thing that Los Angeles has is home field advantage. I mean, what struck me, especially during last night's game, was just how loud it gets at Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Did the broadcast um, mention that they lead the league in attendance? Something like that, yeah, fifty thousand people a night, or something like that. Yeah, they averaged 47,000 a night, and they had 50,000 the first two nights, and it wouldn't surprise me if they had 50,000 there tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's a stark contrast to the, the league trend to start the season, at least, where there I've seen multiple articles about just why people aren't showing up to the games. Well, you've had, as you know, down where you are, I mean, the weather has been terrible this year. We've yeah, had more a huge factor. We've had more postponements to start the year than we had all last year. I mean, you've lost 26 games so far this April. That's a ton. Wow. I didn't even realize that. I mean, the Yankees and and Tigers lost a doubleheader. That was a a, – they don't schedule doubleheaders anymore um, because they had a rainout. The Nats don't have anything to make up which is rare because they had quite a few games they lost last year to that. I believe we had a four split double headers last year. So, so mm-hmm. far they haven't had it, but uh, you know, and there's a lot of pitching, you know, home runs are down again, which mm-hmm. also will do that. But yeah, I mean, who wants to go sit outside for three and a half hours at night when it's 35 degrees and raining out? I sure wouldn't. No, not even me. I watch from home. All right. Mm-hmm. We have one question, and it's from Blake, who's having the time of his life in Southern California. And it is, 
Watch this. Nice pitch. Blake asks, who's impressed us the most from the fill-ins? Defoe, Sierra, or Severino? And I'll let you answer that one first. Yeah, I think compared to expectations, it's been Sierra. I mean, he he's coming to the lineup batting fifth against Clayton Kershaw on Friday. He's batting 250, which I mean, isn't terrible for somebody I didn't even know existed coming into this week. I mean, he's been a pleasant surprise for sure. And for those of you who might be popping into this link after the end of the game, they've now dropped two. They dropped two of the three. Jansen put two runners on in the top of the ninth, but got out of it with a save. So the Dodgers win the game four to three, and they take two out of three this weekend. I'm going to say Severino because he went from having – he was in the position this spring. Hold on one second. He was in a position this spring where he had the chance to win the backup job to Matt Wieters, him and Miguel Montero. Montero didn't really impress anybody, but Severino hit worse. He hit 111 this spring. Now you're never supposed to put too much effort into spring, you know, into paying attention to spring numbers, but even those those were bad enough. You, you wondered, well, you know, if he couldn't make the most of this chance, what's he ever going to do? Wieters gets hurt the last weekend of of the spring, he guts out a few games. Montero couldn't do anything. Severino comes up. And Severino has played himself into a position where he really could be an everyday starter. Mm-hmm, for sure. I'd love to see you him know, get some more opportunities. Yeah, I mean, he's done exactly everything that you would want him to do and more. Plus, he's got a good arm. He can throw runners out. I don't know what the exact rate is, but – you you know that when he throws that there's a halfway decent chance that the runner's going to get tossed, mm-hmm. which which is always good. Sierra's had top playing time before. We've seen him in the in the spring the last couple of years, and he played last year with some of the injuries that cropped up in the Dallas outfield, and he's done all right. But when Brian Goodwin comes off the disabled list, Goodwin is a better option. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and Defoe has held his own. But the thing with Defoe is that when he starts, he plays well. It's when he comes off the bench. He's actually done a decent job playing third. I mean, he has an impossible task of filling in for Anthony Renzone, but he's, but he's held his own. <laughs> for sure. I mean, he's, I mean, maybe not the most reliable bat, but he has speed, a good fielder. I mean, I feel confident with him in the lineup but probably not as an everyday start. I mean, once the lineup gets back and healthy, he'll be a good option off the bench. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, let's see. Do you have any questions? Do I have any questions? Yeah, do you have any questions? Uh, I don't think so. I I asked mine on the last podcast. (laughs) That was a while ago. That was Mm -hmm. last year. All right, so now they're they're down ten and twelve. I think after this loss tonight, realistically, where, what do you think needs to happen uh, for them to? I mean, they didn't lose any ground to the Mets today. They're still four and a half out. The Mets and Braves were rained out. Um, aside from get healthy, oh, you just stole my answer. <laughs> okay, aside aside from get healthy, which is the obvious answer. I mean, what do you? Th- 
what do you think they can do or need to emphasize more so they don't fall out of the race? I honestly, I I really just think it's get healthy. I know it's a kind of a cop out answer, but I really think that's going to solve a lot of problems for the Nationals once they get healthy. And like we said, the the offense, if they get going, that can kind of take the pressure off the bullpen, off of the starters. I really just think once the lineup gets healthy and Murphy and Eaton and Rendon come back, a lot of problems will start to be resolved. You're essentially, you've lost two all-star infielders. Potentially mm-hmm. an all-star outfielder. I mean, yeah, with the way I, Eaton started? Yeah. In the last two years. Um, you started to think if you what would happen if you lose a starter. But you know, I think they got to keep pushing that small ball. And yeah, definitely. Hopefully... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it worked uh, worked wonders against Kershaw on Friday. We saw uh, people, we saw, there was a sack fly. There was moving on wild pitches. It, I don't think they hit a home run in this series. But they did a lot of things well with the small ball, for sure. Taylor hit one tonight. Oh, he did. Oh, that's right, yeah. he did. Yeah, but that. But you're right. That's about it. I mean, they don't really. I mean, Zimmerman, I believe, hit one too. He I hit a good Zimmerman series. Did. Yeah, maybe that was. Yeah, he didn't hit a home run so, series. That was against New York. Right. I, I'm of the feeling that if they get ten back, that they're not going to be able to make it back. Mm-hmm. They gotta keep playing 500 ball, and yes, it's frustrating as anything to watch because you know how good this team potentially is. But as you said, you're down three all stars in your lineup. No, no team is gonna be able. There's just not, not the depth there to do that. And with Robles out for months because of his hand injury or his elbow injury, there is no immediate punch you can give this lineup. Mm-hmm. And you're not making a trade disservice, and they don't have the financial resources to go out and buy anybody. So it is what it is, and I and I understand why you, the fans, are frustrated at this. But there really isn't much more they can do, you know, outside of, for me, doing a little more small ball, and uh, you know, hopefully, Davy Martinez has a better read on his rotation. And when he gets pitchers up to warm in the bullpen, he needs to bring those people in. I mean, they may not be appearing in games, but it, you know, it is wear and tear on the arm when you get up and down a couple times a night and not pitch. You're still using that arm, and you only have so many throws in a given year. Um, it will get better. I just, I just hope that, you know, we're not talking moral victories, but actual, you know, go up to San Francisco and win two out of three. And hope that the National League East kind of reverts back to form. But even the Phillies are playing great right now. Yep, fourteen and seven right now. They're a half game back of the Mets. Right. I mean, so everyone kind of gave Gabe Kapler a hard time the first week, but they seem to have solved that. Mm-hmm. It's a long season, but it's not as early anymore. We've played more than the eighth of the year. All right. Well, that pretty much takes care of it for us. 
you can give the, you can follow you can subscribe to Block Talk Radio and be notified and get in your email when we have new episodes go up. We do this after every series. I forget if I'm doing the one for the Arizona series or if Blake is back. Yep. Um, so we do these a couple times a week. You can like us on Twitter at District on Deck. We live tweet every game. Drew Douglas, my partner in crime, will be doing most of the San Francisco series, late night games, one and all. Um, Ross, how can people follow you? You can do it on Twitter at Ross Schinberg. All one word. Mm-hmm. And what do you think you're writing for us next? What am I writing next? I I'm not sure. I guess we'll see how okay. the San Francisco series goes, and maybe something will pop into my head. Okay. So Ross is one of our one of our top level contributors, and we always look forward to his stuff. Uh, today on the site, this weekend on the site, I did a slideshow on what Davey Martinez is doing right, wrong, and what needs to improve, um, along with some other features. Moises Sierra, who Ross talked about, Drew did a nice piece on him today. We talked a little bit about the bullpen, and of course, some wrap-ups after every game. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ron Juckett. You can follow, give us a like on Facebook. We post everything there as well. At, at District on Deck, and like I said, subscribe here to Blog Talk Radio, and you get them public and on iTunes. You get them the next morning on iTunes, or even as late as tonight. So, so that's it for Ross. I'm Ron Chuckett filling in for Blake Finney. We will talk to you the next time. Have a good day. <laughs>